0: welcome. Good morning. It's Wednesday. Thanks so much for joining me on this edition of Down to Earth. It's Wednesday, February 26, 2020. And I'm saying that because when I woke up this morning, I literally had to remind myself that we are, in fact, in 2020. If you think about it, 2010 was just 10 years ago now. And for those of us 2010 seemed like, wow, so far into the future, and now here we are at 2020. I can't believe it, but thank God for love and light and health, yes, right, and we're looking great, and you are looking great, and thank God we're still here. So if you woke up this morning, I am grateful. I believe that you are grateful to indeed be alive. If Anything could have happened overnight. Uh, You could have gotten a bad diagnosis. And even if you're someone who woke up this morning and you're in a hospital room or you have to go visit a relative or a loved one in a hospital room, I pray healing and health to you and love that all the love in the universe will overtake you and overshadow you on your journey as you go through this that you're going through today. Right? Today is Wednesday and it's Ash Wednesday. It's also We're Pink Wednesday, <laughs> right? But it's also Ash Wednesday. It's the beginning of Lent. I don't know about you, but traditionally most of us for the next 40 days until Good Friday tend to put away something that is meaningful. Whatever it is that might mean something to you, we tend to forego it. It's a sort of fast. Yeah, Some people fast from social media, don't fast from down to earth. Some of us fast from Netflix maybe I need to do that for 40 days watch Netflix come out with the blockbusters that I want to watch, right? Temptation. Some of the fast from eating meat. I haven't, I, I am at that point where I don't eat meat. Barely, I, I can't eat eggs, but have a hard time digesting chicken, right? So it's getting to, it's, it's Lent. It's the official beginning of Lent. So whatever it is that you're going to fast from, I suggest that we all collectively, as a group, as a nation, fall under this umbrella. The coronavirus is spreading throughout the world, certainly has run rampant through, through Asia. It's now in Italy, it's in Spain, it's in Croatia, where I read it yesterday, uh, and, and it's just unbelievable. People are, all over the world are freaking out because the virus is just going from person to person, and it was interesting Yesterday, the head of the Iranian health department, who is in charge, the gentleman in charge of containing the virus and leading Iran's efforts to eliminate the virus, guess what? He posted on Twitter that he contracted this government to close the border with Iran to prevent the virus from uh, becoming uh, an issue in their country. It's called a pandemic because it's a global thing now. So, a pandemic is usually any situation that becomes global. The last time we had one was the first, I think, in 2009 or something like that. And so now we have a global issue. So the CDC says here that it's not a win, it's not a if, it's a win. At first they were saying it's going to be a problem, but now the government is trying to control it so they don't want people to panic by saying it may not be such a problem. Like the rest of us, go down, and get some stuff and protect yourself, arm yourself. Because people do die from this and contract it. You don't hear anybody contracting this thing and surviving. It seems like it it weakens the immune system. So you have a period of flu-like symptoms. And before your body develops an antibody to beat it, you die. What kind of thing is that? Like who dies from stuff like that? And, and, And here's the thing that startles me about it. It's not like a protracted illness, like somebody who had cancer or somebody who... Uh, have some kind of lifestyle illness, you know, you know, a, a long term, what we would refer to as a chronic illness. This is like a couple of days, a couple of weeks, and you're out of here. What kind of thing is that? I, I still think, I still go back to saying that China manufactured that in a, in, a, in a thing and tested it on their people and used their people at the beginning to see how they could effectively use it. The next time we see what we call the coronavirus to call something else by China. Y'all know me, so you don't know like I'm going to say it, right? So, I'm with the government on this one. I'm with the president on this one. China created this one. I'm with the president on this. I want to talk about something that I came across and uh it concerns sexism. And, and I think uh, for most of, most of you guys, uh, most most of my audience are male guys will enjoy or will be able to relate to a lot of this. Uh, My producer brought this to my attention, actually, and she's a millennial. Yeah, So, I am a lot of what you hear me talk about, they've done the research and then they give me the they're like, here are the facts. Even if I say, I'm not sure I want to do that, they're like, you should because here are the facts. So, I'm like, oh my God, it's kind of like they're like, well, you started the bandwagon, so my bandwidth is what I, I should say because they're 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 letting me know that these are the stories. And as I look at it too. I think in a lot of ways it emphasizes and shows my own generation of how we have been socialized to deal with these issues and how we've been taught and socialized that these are how issues are. I mean, years ago uh, when I first became aware that there actually. Uh, Uh, college departments that focus on women and gender studies, I was blown away. I was like, really, seriously? Like, you all recognize that this is something that society needs to teach and people need to become aware. And I think a lot of people, if you haven't done so, like college students, we should encourage our children to perhaps do a minor or do a semester in women and gender studies. It's important. And let me tell you why. So the biases and the prejudices that exist against women are are unbelievable. Years ago, uh, I was working with a group of folks in Oakland County, Michigan, to create uh, a program that would focus on violence in families and how violence impacts individuals and the the causes and the effects and what happens to folks after they have been exposed to violence. And a group of citizens came together, and they got a grant, and they were running with this program, and the grant was for a specific period of time. I was invited to join the group as a member of the clergy and as someone who was outside the spectrum. Because of my ethnicity and my race, typically that group were primarily focused on what happens in white families. So my contribution from the organizer's perspective was valuable, but to other folks there, they still had their inherent biases and prejudices that were locked in and based on color, and it was interesting to sit among them and and to hear how people think about people of color and women of color. It's almost as if women. prejudices and biases that exist. So, it's so it, it was curious to me because here she comes in moving in on my humanity and compassion that I, as a member of the clergy, I would retain her confidentiality by not announcing to the whole group that, hey, here she's a survivor of a violence in our home, but that I would retain that confidentiality. But she did say that my book would be uh, uh, submitted for a study on women and gender studies. And when I walked away from it, there were a couple of things that became clear. Of course, the implicit biases that exist was loud, right? It overshadowed everything else. But it also made me think about the role of women and the work of women in our society. That she is a woman. She's a professional woman. She works. In the in the, the governmentally beaten her during their marriage, but she, she still continues to be married to him. And, and now he hardly was at home; he cheated. He was out most of the time, and so it, it, the others, uh, the people around them, in their social circles, and in their professional circles, made it sound like it's her fault for growing older. They met when they were young; they met when they were in college, and all that. But now that she's growing older, it's her fault. Why her husband is is immigrant, y'all right? But using those <laughs> context to judge me, <laughs> I still kept her confidentiality, right? I still didn't announce to the group, I still you still don't know who she is because I haven't told you her name. I, I'm not doing that. It's just a focus on the biases and and so on that exist. I, I came across a story and I actually did not It. And Because she has the money, and she has access to media. Come to Delaware. Hi. Hello.
1: How are you? How are you, Sid?
0: I'm doing well. How are you? You have something to say about this feminist, the sexist thing we're talking about?
1: Well, I'm not sure in, in the direction you guys were going with it, um, but um, I, I will say that um, it is the responsibility and duty. Of any and all communal problems to be fixed by the community, so I do feel like this is a community thing. <clears throat> but just as the same, I, I do understand that when it comes down to sexism, when it comes down to the sensual nature, uh, when it comes down to who who controls and owns that, I know uh, women with that. You know, that's more of a you know with beauty that is a thing that is owned all by women, majority, Uh you you know, the majority of the time. So I do feel like it is, uh, you know, because they got the Lizzo thing coming out now. I think she she won an award, an NAACP award. And, Uh um, you know, somebody was stating, you know, that she won over all of the classier, you know, folks that Uh have been nominated and what mm-hmm. you see now is this, uh, with, with Lizzo, she was mainly, she was known for her music, but nothing uh, in her music allowed her to be known outside of what she did at the Lakers game. And that's when she, you know, lift up, you know, she turned around and she had on the G-string. and oh, okay. You know, she did that thing, shaking her, her bottom. So I do know that it is up to our women, and they have a responsibility and a duty to control these things just as well as us as men. And I think um, it's it's a thing where us as men we should uh, control ourselves, control our desires, control our needs to to approach women and mm-hmm. and um, assist in supporting some of these degenerate degenerative right. habits and, and uh, ideas and, and, and concepts but at right. the same time it is, you know, up to those women to stay strong uh-huh. on their post and maintain the true identity and the true integrity of what womanhood is all about, what motherhood is all about. And that is the one that points to controlling your sex. Um, right. When they used to say, I'm a lady in the street, in the freak in the sheets, when you're out in, in society, okay. when society is seeing you as a classy, respectable, commendable young lady, but behind closed doors, you can do what you want to do, but why would you know? But, Today is is kind of flip side where our women are exposing everything, and you know, and 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 I, I think even in the Slut Pride movement, in which Amber Rose she was heading, it was a one in the face of our young girls, black girls, black women going missing at high proportional rates. You understand? At high mm-hmm. rates. In that, in the face of that, you have this woman that is coming out encouraging our young sisters, encouraging our young women. Whom don't have any protection around them, hey, mm-hmm. go out there and wear what you want. It's okay to be naked. It's okay, and this is very false. This is very untrue, and this is something mm-hmm. that we shouldn't buy into and support as our men and nor our women. You know, so that's 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 what I had to weigh in on.
0: All right. Well, thank you for your contribution. Call us in again. Thanks so much. Yes, ma'am. Well. Uh, As the caller puts it That's his perspective He thinks that women should be held responsible For our image And how we are viewed by the society That we have some control over But in the context of what we're talking about In the context of sexism And I think in a lot of ways uh, The artist whom he described, Lizzo Might be uh, 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 A victim of that In the sense that uh, for her, to, she had a song for years that was out there, and it took years for it to get to number one. But she decided to uh, she decided to uh, strip herself at a Lakers game uh, and expose her body parts at a Lakers game in order to gain traction and gain attention. And so I, I, I think you know, as much as I disagree with that, I and I do disagree with it. I would not advocate that for any woman to do that. But I think that it is uh it is uh she's a, of sexism. She's a victim because she felt that that was the only way, the only way that she could gain attention. And in a lot of ways it, it speaks to the objectification of women in our society. But in order for a woman to gain Attention and to go viral, as they say, as the kids say, or to gain some kind of traction based on what you do, you have to do something outside the scope of what is normal. I kid you for most of us, I've been doing this for years. Many of you have never heard of me, but I have been preaching and speaking on women's issues for more than 10 years here in Southeast Michigan. I have developed a following around the country. Simply because of it, I've gone to other parts of the country to speak about it. The reason I am not a national TV has to do with a number of issues. One, biases, color-based bias, yeah, uh, class-based bias, right? And the prejudice against my, I've been doing this for so long, I want my books to suddenly sell exponentially. Then I recognized from early that I could have done that. If I, could, if I wanted to, I could have released a sex tape. I could have shown my boobs off show my body parts off, and all of a sudden, I would be launched into the mainstream. But I decided that I would not give in to the pressure that the society imposes on on, on seeking fame or, or on seeking attention or credibility for the work you do. At first, I thought, no way in hell I'm going to do that because I have daughters. And it just stood like aside me and my image of myself. And number two, it would destroy the credibility of the work that I am doing. I worked in areas where I advocated for an end to violence against women and children. I advocate for an end to human sex trafficking. Right? Movie. How bad do you want it? If you don't want the role, then get your butt up and walk out right here. I have ten others lined up at the door who will do it for me, just the same. That is what you refer to as societal pressure. That's putting us in a box. That's saying that that's all we're good for. It's no different than when our mothers and grandmothers grew up. And they were told that women could only function in certain roles. Even if they went to college, they still could only function in certain roles. In some parts of the world today, women still can only walk, what, three steps behind their men. And the women who try to advocate and who try to change those situations are viewed on the periphery, are viewed as radical. Like, they think I'm radical. I'm not part of the mainstream. You won't find and, and even amongst women. We have this misogyny and internalize self-hatred because we look at other women who are different and we don't identify. Confidently, they tell us. Ask boldly for what you want, but when we do that, they call you aggressive, they call you radical, and if you are a woman of color, you are what? An angry woman. That's the culture of sexism. I want to give you a definition of sexism so you put this into perspective, right? Sexism Right? Sexism, the sexist culture is this prejudice, stereotyping, discriminating against women on the basis of sex. That's sexism. Right? The society needs fixing, not on us. I read the story that was written by Efrat Livney, uh, she's the writer. Uh, I think this is one I look like your your teacher. You ready to go there with me this morning? I look like you're a librarian and a teacher and everything, right? Women are told to assert ourselves boldly. But here's the thing, if we do it too much, we're aggressive. Correspondingly, if a man asserts himself that is aggressive, he's being a standing ovation. Right? In a meeting we're told to speak up. But in a low tone of voice. You ever been in a meeting with people? Can you speak up like this? In a low tone of voice. But if a man is in a meeting, he speaks the hell up. You know what he's told? He's affirmed a backslap. he too radical and we have to do something. She does not display leadership skills. So Sheryl Sandberg, take a seat. Take a seat. Just perpetrate more stereotypes and more biases against women. This is my favorite one. My, when negotiating a salary, speak lowly in a soft voice. I need to sound like a cat when I'm negotiating a salary. When a man walks into a negotiation to negotiate his check, he's like, this is what I want. This is what I want on Table on this day. That's it. Shake hands. And everybody is like, yes, yes. But a woman does that. And I'm a radical and angry I wanted to know where Sheryl Sandberg was, the work that I did, so I could feed my children and pay my rent and keep them housed and keep them fed. And I went to Middle Eastern men who, first of all, have issues with women and don't like, don't think women are worthy of being uh, women, even when they're married to doctors and dentists. Right? Those women don't even talk about, don't, you don't want them to start talking about sex? But when I worked amongst those women, I was treated like less than a third-class citizen. I want to know where Sheryl Sandberg's advice all leaning in was. Because when it was time for me to get paid, and everything that I am, and with my heels on, and being mechanic I didn't get it jacked. They just laughed. But when I went in and said, you're going to pay me, guess what? That check came out. So where was Sheryl Sandberg then? Yeah, to so lean in, lean into who, lean into men. Let me. A, a few years ago, I had a conversation with a woman who was who worked as an HR vice president at one of the companies, major companies here in Southeast Michigan. And she retired. She was a white woman. She's a white woman. She retired at 45. She said after 20 years, she had chucked it in. She said I had had enough of the sexism. I couldn't take it. She was told enough. Where was Sheryl Sandberg's advice to lean in? Yes, because she makes it sound that if she's part of the societal pressure and the, the culture of the society, the sexist culture, she's perpetuating it by saying the reason women are not successful is our own fault. As if, as if following her advice to lean in is going to eliminate centuries of sexual of discrimination and centuries of sexism, as and centuries of anti feminist behavior, sex centuries and centuries of discrimination against women on the basis of sex, on the basis of color, on the basis of class. Come on. I, as a woman of culture, represent. And how you could change your position Because then you would offend anyone Like seriously They they actually used to tell me that Don't say anything Shut up Don't tell them like, give anyone your opinion And I would say why Me I'm eternally curious Why You see now Right And listen to this one Press the part You remember Y'all don't remember, but when I was growing up, women used to wear these huge shoulder pads. And I think at one point, women used to wear ties, too, to look like a man. A woman couldn't, wouldn't get married because they didn't want to feminize themselves because then it would look like they're not capable of leading an organization because they're feminine, because they're going to breastfeed and they're going to raise children. So a woman who breastfeeds and Raise children and has be with a person who is a woman who does that is not capable of running an organization. My leadership skills were not based on my ability to lead an organization, but was based on my ovaries, the presence of my ovaries, the presence of me wearing a bra, the fact that I have boobs that wear a bra, the fact that I have hair on my head, not on my face, the fact that I have eyes and lips that look feminine. Hello, somebody. Dress, what is the part? Dress like a man? No wonder a few years later we have this confusion in gender roles and gender identities, and people don't know which side of the coin they're on. Because one minute we want women who look like the this of the 1950s, and that's all the roles she should play in the next minute. Well, maybe she should modernize a little bit, but not too much. Maybe she should look like a man. So we develop this androgynous idea of what women should look like. So we should dress the part, but not too much. Sexism. These are problems that are not created by us. These are not our problems. (laughs) Listen to this. Work is just getting, we have to be mindful. It's one of the hardest things for a woman today is when we're getting up, see, you guys have it easy. Men have it so easy. All you have to do in the morning is get up shower, shave, put on some aftershave. I put your clothes on. Just put yourself in a pair of pants, put on a shirt, and if you choose to wear a jacket with a tie, and you're good. We don't have it like that. We have to sit on and think about, well, where am I going to be today? Okay, I'm going to work. Who's going to be there today? Uh, what color should I wear? I can't, if I wear this color, it speaks to too much. It, as women, our bodies are politicized. What we wear becomes a political statement. You walk into work, With your heels on, who does she think she is today? I'm wearing heels because I like how it makes me feel and I like how it looks. Sorry, y'all. According to Sheryl Sandberg, we should still lean in, even though, as women, we have to be mindful of what we wear to work. Every time I'm going to discuss wanting a salary, I have to be mindful that I don't offend the people. But I still need to display some kind of smartness, but not be too smart. Duke University neuroscience New York Science professors uh, did a study, and the study showed that when an overemphasis is placed on the messages of individual female empowerment, it diminishes people's sense of systemic obstacles that require societal redress. In other words, we're telling I can't control how people view me. No, I can't. You're going to view me as a woman of color based on my appearance because that's societal limitations and impositions. Yet some people are saying you have control over that. It's a form of internalized self-hatred. It's almost as if, okay, I can't be them, I'm going to join them. You start siding with your oppressors because you tell yourself the Vogue, or I want uh, to be a trending subject on Google or Twitter. No, not at the expense of my credibility. I certainly do not want to offend myself and offend my children. I often ask people, what you're doing today? How will you feel about it 10 years from now? Come to you so that they could get a role in a movie? You weren't thinking of walking with a walker then, so you want me to believe you're handicapped now? You weren't thinking of their handicap, that they were a woman, that they were women, and that they lived in a sexist culture, and as far as you in your powerful position could see, they were beneath you, and you had the power over them to control their destiny. There's nothing more offensive to me, nothing rancors me. Sometimes I blame myself. Honestly, I'm, I'm just being transparent. Sometimes perhaps I even blame myself for not moving faster or more forward. Because I tell myself it's my own mouth because I speak up too much. I don't know how to, I, I used to tell myself that you don't know how to but I I think I can't handle injustice when I see it. A, a few months ago, might have been in the fall, I ran into a man and he wanted me to partner with him. So nothing offends me more than that, right? He didn't view me as a contributor to the economy or the culture or of improving the lives of people. The only thing he saw me as was somebody whose pants he could take off. I kid you not. He used words like, this is how sexism works. He used words like, I can get you to your destiny. I laughed. I said, I'm in my destiny. (laughs) I kid you not. He said, we can partner together. There are some things you know more of, listen, that you can show me how to do that so I can be more effective. How much money are we talking about? And he's asking, oh, you think I can do this for free? I said, no, I don't. Do you see, he's thinking in his sexist way that I should be willing to share my knowledge, share my skill set with him. At a discount, while at the same time, he's going to have agency over my body. Nothing offended me more. I actually pray for that guy. I hope he finds hell right here on earth because as I looked at him, I could see that this is not a personal thing directed at me, but that this is something that he has done to women over and over as part of the sexist behavior. We encounter so much of this in the workplace. We're physically, we're emotionally worn out. Did you guys feel that? When we encounter sexism in the workplace, because like I said, everything about a woman is political. Men can say what they want to say, eat what they want to eat, do what they want to do, and it is not a political fact in the workplace. It does not impact your ability to get paid or to keep a job. But a woman, if she doesn't come to work because her child is sick, well, she's a woman. What did you expect? She has children. She's discriminated against. And if she's a woman of color, She's three times more likely. Just like in Sheryl Sandberg's book, her book really was not written for every woman. Her book was written for women in leadership positions. But she too projected the internalized misogyny. My daughter was confounded. Are you listening to me? These are the facts. I finally had to tell her that a lot of what you're encountering is too much for you alone to change. This requires that the society changes the way that it shapes the conversation and the activities around the work that women do in workspaces and in other social encounters that we carry out. I said, it's too much for you alone to change. I have thought as much well as I talk about $1,000 and I want the signing bonus of $100,000. Okay, let's sign right here on the dotted line. Let me show you how I know this is true. Years ago, we, I was supposed to be part of a group. We were getting a grant from an organization in, in Lansing, Michigan. They got the money from another group in California who told us that they had dispersed the money to them. The white woman who headed up the nonprofit, she's now retired, right, because she saw this She retired, she's retired now. She determined that as people of color, she was not gonna give us the seventy-five thousand dollars that we were supposed to get. Yes, the organization was called Caps. Now they're called Michigan Safe and Just, right? She decided she was not gonna give up the money. There was a guy there, he he talked. Because he's a man and the were more concerned about whether she wore a dress today, a skirt, how short, how long. Did she wear heels? And if you wear heels, your heels can't be this high. And I'm like, cut it out. I went to a Catholic high school. I remember we couldn't wear heels above what? Three inches was too high. on next come from. These are societal impacts, and it impacts people years and years later. Because for years, I didn't wear hoop earrings. I, I was affiliated with a church in Southfield, Michigan, and one of my friends brought her daughter in for prayer to the pastor, and he shocked the heck out of me. The young girl, she was 15 at the time, and he told her that her earrings made her look like you can't tell her that? He said that's a whorish, demonic thing. But she never spoke up because she's afraid of losing her husband if she speaks it up. Probably slaps her on the fly when they're at home. Who knows? She never talked about it. Right? These have long lasting societal impacts. Right? <laughs> I actually I- did not. Right? They tell us to be more ambitious, be confidently, demand a seat at the table, that's the messaging from the lean-in movement. Uh, try that if you work at the Amazon and come back and tell me how that worked for you. Right? Uh, the thing that I find the most glaring of all the sexism is that somehow we, a growing group of entrepreneurs in America, you know why? We, as a woman of color, if sexism is against white women, it's ten times worse against us. White women have to fight for their seat at the table. We're not even at the table. We're the voices way back behind. And when we talk, we're angry. We're perceived as being angry. I do really encourage Ms. Steinberg to weigh in on this discussion. I don't think This is why people like Kim Kardashian Could never have gotten my support Because she continues to perpetuate The myth that to be Successful you have to take your clothes off And do a sex date um, what it created When I talk about it back then It created a whole generation of women Who think that in order for them to achieve success They have to take their clothes off And have a Sex date Little took her clothes off at a, a Lakers show and sh- I, I mean, come on now. For her now to be in the mainstream, how do you deal with yourself? But that is what the society tells women. She's as much a victim. And a man took my idea and ran with it. But I have not sat in those spaces because that's not about to shut you up. I tell you. But unfortunately, that is the case for a lot of women, and a lot of women right now are dealing with that. A lot of women right now are in places where they have absolutely no control over the outcome of their situation, and they have to live with it.